Amen. Well, welcome, Calvary. How are you? You can do better than that. How are you, Calvary? morning to our podcast listeners as well. If you're new, I just want to say we're glad you're here. Um, this room gets a little crowded this hour, so there's two other service times that you can be aware of. There's an 1140 service, and next week after the 1140 service, if you're a college student, there is a lunch for you. So come prepared, bring some friends. It is absolutely free. And next Sunday night, um, Merge starts, which is our college small group Bible study. We believe that God wants to do something in your life. We believe that God wants to tell you and impact and show up in your life in a, a very real way. And if you're new, I just want you to know that we believe that God wants to do something amazing. And so when we talk about that, we, we ask you to be involved. We ask you to be involved for three hours a week. One hour a week, we want you to come and worship. Why? Because we want you to be fed with the Word of God and know how to feed yourself throughout the rest of the week. The second hour is serving. We've lost some great families. Some have moved to Maryland. They moved to Florida. And there's a place for you to hop in and serve. And there's a place for you to help give back to the kingdom. Okay? And the third way we ask you, the third hour, is to be involved in a small group. Why? Because everybody needs community. And a lot of times I hear people say to me, well, this church is so big, I don't, that's where your small group is. Your small group will help you get connected. It's the first person you call when you go to the hospital. It's the people who are like, how was your week of school and all that fun things. And it, it, we just want you to get involved with that. And so we want you to know that and be aware of that. But the problem is a lot of times we sit there and we go, ah, I don't really know how deep I want to go into this. Can I just challenge you right from the beginning? The only way to do faith is to go all in. And sometimes what prohibits us from diving into our faith is us. Inadequacies and insecurities, and we can struggle with what that looks like. And I want to share with you today one of my favorite passages. I remember being first, the first time I was called into ministry, and we're going to look at Judges 6 if you want to turn there. I was called into ministry, and I remember being called into ministry, um, and I remember starting telling people that I was called into ministry. I remember going, and I got mixed reactions from, you know, that doesn't pay well to, oh, that's great, um, to, you know, the, all the, everything in between. And I remember uh, uh, going home, and I remember then uh, all these different stories of what I could share with you right now. But the one I want to share with you is when I went to my family reunion. And my mom's side of the family was filled with uh, preachers, generation after generation of preachers. But it kind of skipped my mom's generation. And so I, when I surrendered to the ministry, I became the first uh, preacher boy, kind of say, in a, a long time. And so we went to the family reunion, and I remember Uncle Woods, who is a um, great pastor down in Madisonville, Texas. And I remember him right before the meal was about to start to say the blessing. And instead of him saying the blessing, he turned to me and he said, Daniel, I'd like you to say the prayer. And I remember thinking, uh-oh. Because here I was like 17 years old, and I remember thinking, what? I'm not worthy to pray a prayer in this group. And I remember those feelings of God wants to love and use me. I was uh, thankfully saved to that duty a couple years later when my older brother surrendered to missions and he got the holier calling. So that was okay. That's a joke. Um, but the reality is, I remember that feeling, and I think sometimes we let those feelings of inadequacy. So when I started preaching, my first sermon I ever preached on was on Gideon. Gideon. Judges chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 is the background. The Israelites. Anytime you hear the word Israelites in the Old Testament, I want you to think of the word church. The Old Testament church did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
So the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. The Midianites were the people who invaded their land. A good modern example of this would be like if North Korea, pick a country, right? came in and took over our land. And they, they raided us. And they, they took our crops. And then they would leave. And they would come back and take our crops. Now, what made the Midianites so powerful was they invented a new type of tactical warfare. Camels. Camels were the modern-day equivalent of, like, tanks, okay? I don't know why. They spit. I don't know. I don't know. But, but, I mean, when the camels came, they're like, we have nothing to stop the herd of camels. And so they, they were overrun. Have you ever been there? A place in your life where you're sitting there thinking, why am I being overrun? Have you ever had a struggle in your life? And maybe, just maybe you came because it's the start of school year and you're supposed to do that. So you showed up at church today thinking, I'm going to give God a chance. Maybe you're exploring this idea of what it looks like to follow God. And, and you sit there and you're going, okay, if I follow God, am I going to have a happy life? And let me just encourage you from the beginning. That's the wrong question. I think if you follow God, you will have a fulfilling life. But yet, here were the Israelites, the old church. They were being demoralized, and it happened for around seven years. Their food was being taken away, and, and, and they sat there and they thought to themselves, we thought God was supposed to be with us. Have you ever been there? I thought God was going to be on my side, but, but she still left. I thought God was going to be on my side, but, but this morning I lost my job. I thought God was on my side, but now cancer has come in. Or I thought God is on my side, but, and then we start coming up with all these different things that come across our path, that come into our lives. And we sit there and go, God, I thought you were, where are you? When we struggle in those places, I want you to see something. God will allow you to bear more than you to have more than you can bear. And that's not a popular message. God will allow you to have in your life obstacles that are bigger than you can defeat. But here's the good news. God will not give you obstacles in your life that are bigger to defeat with him. Did you get the difference? So why do the bad things happen? I don't have all of the answers for that, but I know this. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Because Israel didn't obey. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, we've forgotten that when the difficult times of life happen, sin has entered the world. And because of sin, obstacles enter in the world. And when the difficult moments of life happen, we are forced to lean into him. We are forced to look back to him and we remember what this journey ultimately is all about. And it's not about you being happy and having cake and ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That just leads to a stomachache. It's about having a relationship with him. Judges 6, 7 through 10 continues the story. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to him. And he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I have brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites whose land you live in, but, they, but you did not obey me. 
<laughs> Maybe let me give you a little more context. Okay, this is not the time where the people knew about the people of Egypt. I mean, they knew about the people of Egypt, but these weren't people who were actually freed from slavery from Egypt. You get that, right? These weren't even the kids. These weren't even the grandkids of the people who had been freed from Egypt. So here is God saying to them, I freed you from Egypt. And they were like, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there. How does this story relate to me? Isn't that what we ask every Sunday morning when we come in? How does the Bible relate to me? How does this story relate to me? Somebody show me how this story relates to me. Well, it starts with the fact that they didn't fear the enemy. They didn't fear, they feared the enemy more than they feared God. They didn't obey his words. They didn't obey what he said. They, they stopped leaning into God. And because they stopped leaning into God, God couldn't deliver them from the enemy. Because they started doing things their own way. God was like, fine, I'm not going to deliver you if you're not asking to be delivered. I, I want you to see you're headed down the wrong path. And until you cry out to me, I'm, I'm not here. I'm here, but I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there? You started gone, going down the wrong path and you didn't even realize it. And God's like, I'm still here. I'm waiting. You begin to understand what this story is really all about. Why did he mention being delivered from Egypt when they weren't even in Egypt and they didn't remember being delivered from Egypt? Well, it's really this. You see, God's story of love for you begins long before you and I were born. It is a story that always has been and always will be. The story of the Bible is not something that is antiquated. It is a seamless story that invades our life. And God could very well be looking into your heart, into your eyes, and say, see, I was the God that brought you out of Egypt. And you're sitting there going, I've never lived in Egypt. And he goes, you're not understanding the bigger picture of what this is really about. You see, you and I, we were made with dignity. Isn't that exciting? We were made with dignity. God looked into your life, and he lovingly knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew everything about your fingerprint, your hair, everything about what you're thinking. He knew every fabric of your life, and he loved you. You were made with dignity, but we walked out of dignity into depravity. It's called sin. When we, we said, I want to do this. And when you do what you want to do, ultimately it hurts somebody else. And when you hurt somebody else, ultimately what that is, is the ripple effects of sins brings depravity into the world and then thus invades our life. And then problems happen, right? And here's what happens when the problems happen. We start blaming everybody else. God, the Midianites are on my doorstep. God, she did this to me. God, he did this to me. God, my boss at work. God, my children are my God. My spouse is God. That person that was supposed to be my spouse did this. God, I don't understand. And he says, stop. Stop blaming everybody else. The reason you're struggling with this life the reason he mentions this over and over and over again is he wants you to see the reason your depravity is because of you. Old Testament references being brought out of Egypt 86 times. 86 times. 68 times outside of the book of Exodus. An example, Psalms 81.10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You see, I think God wants to deliver us 
And so he keeps referring out of Egypt because it's the marker of the Old Testament story of the church that says, I am going to bring you into the promised land. I am going to deliver you. I want you to experience the freedom of Christ. So how does being brought out of Egypt relate to us? Three ways. First, out of Egypt is the story of the delivery of oppression. What is oppressing you? Are you a slave to culture? Anger? Keeping up with information, loneliness, the fear of abandonment, perfectionism in school. It hadn't even started yet. You're already sweating the finals, right? Some of you are like, no. <laughs> Laziness. <laughs> what is oppressing you? What, do you? what is the moment in your life that you sit there and you go, if I would just not experience this, then I would be good. And I want you to look back this last week and I want you to ask yourself this very poignant and serious question. Have you lived this last week in the life of freedom? Or have you felt like I really could use a back rub? When? Yes. My muscles are tense 24-7. I really could use an escape. When is football season getting here? Not soon enough, amen? And wait, I'm just ready for football because I want the escape. Three hours and I have to think about my world. And that's not really what I should be doing with football. I want to not feel the pressure and the burdens of the trials of this world. When does life get happy? Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Because out of Egypt is the story of a delivery of oppression, not a delivery into a happy, easy life. Are you a slave to culture, anger, keeping up with information, loneliness, fear of abandonment, whatever, perfectionism, laziness, whatever the issue is, fear, anxiety, drunkenness, disorderly, lust, whatever it may be? Do you notice the pattern of all those things? You know what's really oppressing you is not the Midianites, it's you. Your choices are oppressing you. And God wants to deliver you, wait for it, from you. <laughs> hey, he says to Gideon, I'm going to, in a minute, you're going to see this. I'm going to deliver the God's people, right? I'm going to deliver them through you. And he's like, I don't know. And he goes, but the reason you need to deliver is because you abandoned me. You stopped following me. You stopped allowing me to be your deliverer. You went on your own way. And when you went on your own way, you walked away from the deliverer. You walked away from freedom on your own. So the idea of out of Egypt is the story of deliverance of oppression. We need to be rescued from ourselves. The second way that uh, out of Egypt relates to us, out of Egypt is the story of deliverance through trials. <laughs> Do you know what happened? Uh, maybe you don't know this story, so let me catch you up. In the Old Testament, there's this group of people, they moved down to Egypt, and they were blessed for a while, and then there came a time when the Pharaoh didn't know the people of Egypt, and then God sent uh, Charlton Heston, I mean Moses, to let my people go. Some of you won't get it. Get out your VHS. Ask mom and dad to bring out the VHS and you'll watch it. And as they're going to... Charlton Heston, who's that? Okay, as you're, as you're doing that, they're, they're going to let my people go. They, they go wandering. And as they get freed, right? 
they walk through the, this, the water of the, the river and it literally parts and they walk on dry land as their oppressors are coming. And then it crashes down and it kills all of them. And then life's easy, right? No, well then they don't have food. So that God gives them bread and manna. And then they wander around the wilderness because they don't really believe that God's going to deliver them from the giants. And, and some of them are like, I'd rather go back to slavery because I know what that life looks like. Now God has set them free and the people of Israel are going, I would rather go back to the life of slavery than to live in the life that has to lean into the power of God. What's wrong with that? Why? Because they didn't understand what life was really about. It's not about the ease and comfort of your well-being, but intimacy with Christ. And maybe someday you have to face the reality, the reason you keep going back to your oppressor is because it's easier to face your oppression, which you understand, than to look at a new life. And then you wonder why you're miserable. Out of Egypt is a story of deliverance through trials. The reason that God gave them the Ten Commandments, y'all ever heard of those, right? Wasn't because he wanted them to be morally pure. He was saying these Ten Commandments are what will guide you back into me. And the laws and the encouragement of the Bible aren't about seeing who can be the best. It's about the idea of a big preacher word called sanctification. Sanctification is the holy, you bringing into the holy presence of you becoming more and more intimate with the one who made you to love you and to guide you. It's freedom. Out of Egypt is a story of deliverance through trials, but out of Egypt is ultimately a story of deliverance into the promised land. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we don't have to stay in the trials and the tribulations forever? Aren't you glad we don't have to wander forever if we trust in God? But here's the reality. In this world and in this day and in this age, here's how we've uh, microwaved the church culture. We come into church and we go, everybody, I'm going to tell you a sermon and you're going to walk out of here going, I feel awesome because I learned the lesson and then I learned the lesson and my life's going to be perfect until Monday happens or really two o'clock that afternoon happens or the parking lot. And then you go, well, that lesson didn't work. I must be doing it wrong. And then we feel bad about ourselves because we don't understand that delivery doesn't always happen instantaneously. Walk in, give me God. Thank you. Walk out. Freedom! No, it doesn't always work that way. So let me just spoil this right now. I'm going to give you the Monday morning application way before the end of the sermon, okay? We got about 10 more minutes left. Wait, so some of you are like, oh, is he already done with this sermon? He's doing that. The Monday morning application, if you're new, is the application we want you to practice for the, the day-to-day practice of the week so that you can start drawing into the presence of God. So here's the Monday morning application, okay? I want you to live in the dissonance of your trials. Worst sermon ever. Some of you are like, I don't know what dissonance means. Dissonance is like that awful noise in the song until it resolves. You know, they're like, oh, that doesn't, oh, it resolved. Dissonance is the idea of, I want life to feel really good right now, but it doesn't. They had to wander. They had to go through persecution. They had to wander, but God kept saying and whispering, deliverance is coming. If you're walking through a divorce, if you're going through a great trial of a loss of job, if you're, you might sit there and go, but I'm, I'm trying, God, where are you? When, when's the, when are you going to deliver me? Kids are like, I just started school. When are you going to deliver me? 187 days. <laughs> I had a teacher tell me that after the last, last, last hour, okay? I have no idea if it's correct. 187, okay, that's too long. Okay, Christmas break. 
When's that? That's too long. Fall break. Next Saturday. See, even kids know that there's a rhythm to it, right? I've, I just got to get to Friday. And sometimes what we do is we sit there and go, I'm going to live a perpetual life of never having joy. I'm never going to be delivered. And God's saying, wait for it. You're going through a divorce. You don't feel like the sun will ever come up. It will. You're going through a great tragedy and you just don't know how you're ever going to get back to a place of content and light. You will. But here's the key. Lean into God because he sometimes will allow you to go through things that are bigger than you can bear, but they're not bigger than you can bear with him. So go and sit in the muck and the mire of the dissonance of your trials. Well then, how do I get delivered? Because the promised land's coming. Well, God will call you. Judges 6, 11 through 15. Then the angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the oak that was in Orpah, which belonged to Joash, the Abrazite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Do you know what a wine press is? Okay, I'm, I'm using all old people analogies today. So if you need to Google this later, young ones, you can, okay? But y'all remember the episode of I Love Lucy where she's smashing the grapes? Okay, like four of you. No, I many more of you got it. You just don't want to admit it. There's an old episode of I Love Lucy, which is a black and white TV show that your parents' parents watched, okay? Back when TV. And there was an episode where there's this little vat, this little barrel, and she's like smashing grapes. That's a wine press. Why? Because the grapes were being pressed into wine, all right? If you notice this, it's not a big thing. It's like about, you know, this big. or what, It may have been a little bigger than that in Gideon's time, circular or oval. That's where he's growing crops. Why? Because he didn't want the Midianites to come in. And God confronts him there and says, hey, Gideon, mighty warrior, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. He's hiding in a wine press. And sometimes God shows up and meets you right where you are and where you least expect it, sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning. When you only came because someone asked you and you really weren't expecting it. At three o'clock in the morning when your heart stirs and you're sitting there crying, God, are you real? Show it. <laughs> or maybe like me on the back of a racquetball court one day when you just break down and you don't know why. In the hospital bed, as you watch the loved one slowly breathe their last. In work, when your boss has yelled at you again. And sometimes in those moments when you least expect it, God shows up and he says, I see you. And this trial will not be forever. Well, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. And Gideon said, oh, I think you got it wrong. Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about? In other words, I haven't experienced it. You, the faith that you talk about is something my ancestors experienced, not me. And said, has the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. He said, but please, Lord, how can I deliver them? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest of my father's family. Then listen to the last words, but I will be with you, says the Lord, and you will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Uh, next week, get excited and come next week, all right? Because next week we can talk about how the battle belongs to the Lord. But this week, I want you to see 
you and I often feel like Gideon. And Gideon was the youngest man from the smallest tribe, from the smallest clan, from the smallest family in all of Israel. He was literally the least of the least. He was the guy that would have been cut from the JV freshman team. We don't even have JV freshman teams. He was the guy that wouldn't have been picked last. He would have been picked last in kickball or art. He just was the least of the least. God, you can't use me. Have you ever felt that way? Inadequate. Maybe you feel like you have too much baggage in your life. Maybe you feel like there's too much junk in your life. God can still use you. Ask the people who go to CR. Celebrate recovery. And you know that I am sometimes envious of the people who celebrate recovery because they know they can't do this life without God. And sometimes those of us who aren't in CR don't understand that. That we're strongest when we are weak. And we're forced to lean into the power of God in your life. Do you know how this relates to our life? Let me be real. I know. How? Because almost every week before I come out here, I want to throw up. (laughs) Why? But Daniel, you're so funny. (laughs) I want to throw up because I don't feel worthy. I'm a broken 40-something-year-old man who can't fix anything to save my life, but I try. His grammar isn't perfect. Who sometimes lacks confidence, but believes God has called to change the world. And I think God wants you to do that too. I don't know what that looks like. Well, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's next week. But in order to fight the battle, you have to first fight your own battle against yourself. So here's what I want you to hear this week. Admit that you can't fight this battle alone and sit right there. One of my favorite illustrations, I shared it here before, is the story of the metamorphosis of a caterpillar. If you've been around a while, you've heard me talk about this. And in the metamorphosis of the caterpillar, I used to imagine as a little kid that when a caterpillar is in a cocoon, you know, tracking with me so far, it just drops its legs and grows wings. That's not what happens. Do you know what happens to a caterpillar in the, in, the, in the womb? It literally breaks down into caterpillar soup. It eats its own DNA and becomes something new. That'll preach. Because, you know, somewhat, sometimes what we do is we want to come into church and we go, get your wings and fly! And I want to go, but you have to sometimes get alone in your cocoon. And so this week, here's my encouragement. If you're sitting there going, I'm being oppressed, I'm going through trials, I don't know how to handle it. I want you to know the battle belongs to the Lord. And we may not fix it next, in a week, but we're going to start trying to help you. But this week, I want you to get in your cocoon and let yourself be soup. <laughs> what do you do with the soup? You allow God to start building it because you can't build it. And so when I'm in soup, here's what I do. 
I open my word of God. I pray. I, I listen to praise worship. I, I sing. I remember last night I was walking in my neighborhood. I love to walk. You can wave at me if you want, but that's, uh, feel free. I love it. I, I talk to you even. But when I'm walking, that's therapeutic worship for me. And last night I was walking through my neighborhood and I looked up and I looked at the sky. And I, I remember for whatever reason, I normally when I walk, I look down. But when I was looking up in the sky and I saw the beauty and the grandeur of the atmosphere and the way the clouds were mixing with the sunlight. And I remember thinking, the God who created this universe, and the thousands, if not thousands, if not thousands of galaxies beyond that, not to mention the stars and the planets and the ocean waves and the trees and the, the birds and the atmosphere all around us, looks down from the heavens and he knows my name. He cares about me. And I just began going, that's what you need when you're in caterpillar suit. To sit there and go, my deliverer is coming. I can't, I can't do this anymore. So God built me up. And the beautiful thing about when he builds you up is he doesn't sit there and make you an adaptation of your old self. He makes you into something totally different. You're not just a caterpillar who drops the arms and then grows the wings. No, you are a new creation, which translates like this. What's oppressing you? Is it fear, anxiety, loneliness, doubt, depression, whatever it is? What's oppressing you? God doesn't sit there and go, I'm going to teach you how to live with it. He offers a solution and to make you into a new person where that can no longer be a part of your life, but you are freed and delivered into a new relationship that Christ alone can give. But you got to sit in soup first. So, will you come next week? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. But this week, maybe, just maybe, you need to sit and let him break you down. And pray and have solitude and sing, download some Apple iTunes praise music. If you need help, write us. We'll help you. Listen to podcasts. Don't know how to read your Bible. We have people who help you with that. That's actually what we do. It's not bothering us at all. That's our job. But we're going to help you. Because the God of this universe wants to deliver you. The question is, do you believe it? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, none of this makes sense. But you got to realize... The New Testament doesn't reference Egypt. Why? Because Jesus came. It does reference it once or twice. But the, the story goes, I'm no longer delivering you from Egypt. I'm delivering you from death. So we believe that Jesus came down and he died on the cross. He lived a perfect life because he went through trials. He went through the dissonance of humanity to free you from your oppression. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, he can live with you. And this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. We'd love to talk to you about that. Would you just go by the next step space or grab someone around here and say, hey, what's that preacher guy talking about? That's why I risk throwing up every week to be here with you. If you are a follower of Christ, here's what I would encourage you. Don't live in bondage. Identify your oppressor and give it to God. And then realize the battle belongs to the Lord. The Father knew we would struggle with this, right? So when Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples, he gathered them together. He said, guys, I'm about to leave, and so I may not always be with you, but I want you to be reminded that I, 
you're going to struggle. And so when you eat and you take a loaf of bread, I want you to remember that my body was broken for you. And when you do a simple thing like take the cup, I want you to remember my blood was poured out for you. And so we observe once a month around here a time of communion, communion, which stands for common unity, or the Lord's Supper, depending on the background you grew up in. And what we would ask is if you're a follower of Jesus, you take a moment, and in this moment you say, God, I give you me. When you come forward, you don't try to think about the way we're doing communion or the way someone says anything. You just sit there and go, God, I need you. I need you in my life as you take the bread. I need your blood to cover me as you pour it in your life. And you let him to transform you starting now. Can we do that? Father, move as our deacons take their spots. God, would you just guide us and guard us in this moment? Help us to trust you, to lean into you. Remind us of how good and holy you are. Break us down and build us up. Be our deliverer. In your name we pray, amen. We do it popcorn style around here. So there's two stations up front, two in the back, and one a gluten-free station in the back. We do um, that in a way that, so not to embarrass people because we believe this should be done by people who have a relationship with Jesus. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're not trying to embarrass you. We just ask that you honor the tenets of our faith and we want you to know Jesus and that you can participate in that. Um, but everybody else, as you feel led, if you need to take a few moments, do that. As you feel led, go and participate. Two in the front, two in the back, one in the gluten-free station in the back. Participate even now.